Hello and welcome to the big topic in women's MMA. Frank Posen here along with Schwan Humes. Don't forget to check out my blog at frankp316.blogspot.com and also my other podcast, Frank Posen's Big Bad Podcast, which I did on Tuesday. So, Happy New Year, Schwan. Hey, Happy New Year to you, sir. How are you doing? Okay, so I, I say that because uh, we've been off for a couple of weeks because the UFC took a break. And so um, we're coming back now, and we've got three shows coming up in the next weekend. Um, we've got one on Saturday, one on Wednesday, and one, uh, the big pay-per-view the following uh, Saturday. So the first thing I want to mention is these shows are all in Abu Dhabi, but they're not at the previous arena. They're in the Etihad Arena which is a larger place, and I think they're going to have something like 2,000 fans there or something like that. Okay? So I want to talk about the first two shows because the scheduling is a little different than usual. On the Saturday show, it will air in the U.S. on ABC. Okay? So this is a big deal, Sean. The first time ABC has aired any kind of combat sports since 1990. And, of course, it's also the first wow. time UFC has been on ABC, a, a main network like that, since they were with Fox. So it's been a couple of years. Um, uh, so what do you think of that, Sean? Uh, it's a big, it's a big step for them. I mean, it's great for the company. It's great for Dana White. I don't know that it helps the fighters any, but it's great well, for the, the overall sport. And probably doesn't. But the point is, uh, they've been asked to do it, so they're doing it. Now, the other thing is the the main card will start at 3 p.m. Eastern, okay? So that means the prelims are going to start around noon or something like that, depending on how many there are. In Canada, the show will air, as usual, on TSN, but uh, I would not be surprised if the main card was on CTV or CTV2 uh, as well so that they can simulcast the Canadian commercials. Uh, on the U.S. broadcast, because normally they, that's what uh, the Canadian networks are allowed to do. Okay? Now, on Wednesday, it runs even earlier. Okay? The sh- the main card of Wednesday's show will be noon Eastern. Okay? So that means that the prelims are going to start like 9 a.m. Yeah? And the other thing is that in Canada, uh, Aaron Bronsteader of TSN, Reported today that the main the main card the main card the entire card for Wednesday's show will air in Canada only on UFC Fight Pass. So just a note to Canadian viewers, you know if if it's probably the only time that's going to happen. So uh, if you're going to watch the show, you need to get UFC Fight Pass. All right, I I have it already because I use it for other things, but. Um, this is very unusual. TSN's not air. I, the only reason TSN is not airing the show at noon is because it's not Canadian content. That's the only thing I can think of. Other than that, I mean, they don't have anything else going on, but excuse their Canadian content, uh, quotas, I suppose. All right. So let's talk about it on, on each of these shows. There's going to be two women's fights. So let's talk about them. First on Saturday's show, both sh- the women's fights are going to be on the prelims. Uh, the first one was supposed to be Betch Korea versus uh, Wenan Yu, but it's, it was going to be Betch's retirement fight. But 
She's had her appendix out, if you can believe that. And she says she's going to be back in the spring and she'll do it then. So they brought in a new uh, newcomer to uh, oppose when on you. And that is, um, uh, geez, I can't remember her name. Jocelyn Edwards. Jocelyn Edwards. Jocelyn Edwards. There you go. I, I remembered it. Okay, so... Uh, let's start with Yan'an Wu, who's from uh, uh, Wen'an Yu, I should say. She's from China, of course. She's not as good as the other Chinese fighters that we have. She's done one or two in the UFC. She missed weight her last time out. So I think this fight's at bantamweight. I, I said, I think it says on one source that it's at uh, a flyweight, but I don't think so. I think it's at bantamweight. She missed weight her last time out. And then she lost to Mizuki, uh, who's actually a strawweight. So <laughs> things haven't gone too well for her. She's one and two, like I said. Um, this other fighter, um, uh, Edwards, she is from Panama. She's 25 years old. Her record is nine and two. Now, uh, only one of her fights is on uh, YouTube. So, and it's an older fight. I, so I saw, I saw, I, I saw like, I think I, I saw like, I found three. No, I only saw one. I only saw one. Go ahead. Sir, go ahead. I saw an amateur one where she was like all had all this amateur stuff on. I saw her fight uh, some other girl, and then she fought a lady, Brenda Means, I think. So I saw I saw like three different fights on there. They were all older. They weren't recent. Yeah, the, the problem were, is the problem is her recent fights are not on YouTube or anything like that. Okay, so, but I do have a scouting report on her, which I'll get to in a second. Um, so, Jocelyn Edwards, like I said, she's originally from Panama. Now, uh, I do have a scouting report on her uh, from a guy who does this sort of thing on a regular basis, and that is Sean Bitters of uh, Cage Side Seats. I mean, you know him. And um, uh, he projected her recently as a fighter who would be in the UFC in 2021. So, sure, sure enough, here she is. Now, um, according to his scouting report, she's primarily a striker and she needs work on her, um, takedown defense. Okay. And the other thing she said, he said about her, she had a fight in 2018 in LFA. It was a title fight and she lost, uh, by split decision to uh, a fighter, um, who is now in the UFC. And he, what he said is that if she had won that fight, she would already be in the UFC. So she took about a year and a half off. And I think what she did is she actually moved. She moved down to uh, Mexico. And she's um, training at a place called Champions, which I believe is in Guadalajara. And she also trains at a gym in El Paso. Okay, so she's going back and forth. She returned in August and won a fight pretty quickly um, uh, in Mexico. Uh, she's won all of her fights by grounded pound. So it sounds like she doesn't really have knockout power, but she's able to, to finish on the ground. Whether that converts to main roster success in the, in the, to the UFC, whether that converts to UFC success is another story. But I actually think she has a pretty good chance to win this fight because I think uh, and uh, you uh, could very well get released if she loses here. Yeah, um, watch, watching her fight, you know, it, it's it's clear that she has striking acumen. I, I would say that she's got a fairly decent skill set offensively. Jocelyn Edwards has a fairly decent skill offensively. 
her issue is going to be defense. It doesn't get exposed a lot because she's, she's very athletic. She's tall. She's big. She's long. And if you watch her fights, she kicks with power. And when she punches, she has fairly quick hands. And she, she, throws, she, does, she does the right thing. She throws a, a wide variety of punches when she gets confident. And she sticks to the fundamentals of the you know, jab, right hand. She does that a lot. Um, but I think she's more of an attribute, attribute striker than a technical striker right now because her defense isn't, isn't great and her positioning isn't. And against someone like Wu, Wu Nan, um, I, just, I just don't know that she fights smart enough. Like a lot of her success is based on her being big and strong and physical. And now she's facing a person who's going to have comparable size and better athleticism. And I don't know that she has the IQ or the skill set to chase takedowns or force a fight to the ground where she can take advantage of Edwards. Because the fight stands on the, stays on the feet and it stays at range. I don't see how Edwards doesn't stop her. I guess in the clinch there could be problems. But even then, um, she's used to using her size and her weight to bully people. And she's not going to do that against Edwards. Edwards is is comparably big and a much better athlete, a much, much heavier hitter. So it, it seems like they're giving Edwards a platform to, you know, make a name for herself. Cause this, this, this is the best kind of opponent for her to face. Yeah, exactly. And, and I don't think, uh, uh, you is any better than, um, who, uh, Jocelyn Edwards has faced, you know, in, in Mexico. Okay. And other places like no, that. that. And that's that mostly where she's fought. That fight against Mizuki was very eye-opening because it's a much smaller fighter and she's backing you up with straight punches. Yeah, I know. And when you're hitting her, it, it it's her. She couldn't really she couldn't really hurt her. She couldn't really back her up. And and, yeah. and that's a fighter who's not known for athleticism and ability. And she got backed up by her and outworked by her. Not to mention that she missed weight. Very concerning. Weight. Not to mention that she missed weight. Yeah. That, that, okay. She might that might be an issue again. Okay. Well, no, there this fight apparently is at bantamweight. It is not at flyweight. Oh, okay, yes, sir. Okay, so there was some. Yeah, that's a really. There's bad, a little confusion there, but uh, Jocelyn has not fought at flyweight. She's strictly bantamweight, so I believe this is a bit. And and originally the fight was supposed to be a bantamweight anyway, because Betch is not a flyweight. Okay, so yeah, this is definitely a bad fight for for you because that size advantage she's used to it just doesn't exist. It, it will not exist. I think she's gonna have a hard time adjusting to not being able to bully someone. Okay, the other fight on this show. Uh, is Sarah Morass uh, versus Vanessa Mello. This is also at Bantamweight. And I guess this falls under the category of, I don't really give a shit who wins because I think this is a loser leaf town match. Okay. Uh, Sarah is from Kelowna, British Columbia. She trains in Las Vegas at the PI. Um, she's been in the UFC since Tough 18, but, you know, she's three and five. She just hasn't had the results. And she's had some injuries as well that I think have slowed her down quite a bit. Uh, Vanessa Mello is from Brazil. I mean, she's 0-3 in the UFC. So that's why I say it's a loser-leave-town match, and, and you're going to laugh. But of course, I don't care. <laughs> I really don't. And uh, it makes no difference to me whatsoever. So uh, what, what do you think about this one? Uh, I, I'd probably have to agree. It, it seems, to be honest, it seems like they're trying to give – Morass the second chance to stay in the UFC because Melo's Melo isn't a great fighter. She I've watched her fight. I can't say she's just awful, but she's an average athlete and she's just at best okay at grappling. It, it, as far as MMA, okay at striking, okay at wrestling. She doesn't have any area where she can dominate, and she doesn't have the physical tools to dominate either. So now she's facing Sarah, who's big, who's strong, 
who's aggressive and who's shown some improvement in striking. She's not great either, but she's shown some improvement in striking and she's obviously got the advantage of wrestling and grappling. So it's pretty much, it should be a slam dunk for Sarah. She should be able to bully Vanessa. She should be able to take her down. And honestly on the feet, she should, if she just throws a lot and comes forward, she should be able to outwork her and overwhelm her. She's a better athlete. She's bigger. She's stronger. She's fought better opposition. There's only um, one problem. This is pretty much, this should be. There's only one what? problem. What's that? She's mistake no prone. But is, is Melo the kind of person who can make who can take advantage of those mistakes? Well, this, but, this is what we don't I mean, know. She, she fought Carla Rosa, who who's a mistake prone fighter who just gets on physicality, and she couldn't do anything with her. Yeah. And I'm not saying Rosa. I'm not saying that that Morris is better than Rosa, but it's a similar kind of fight style, and she just walked all over. Yeah, uh, I, Mello. Like I, I think Melo's going to be out of the year. Like I said, I don't care. It's a okay. for me. It's a loser leaves town match. Yeah, I mean, I can't imagine who. Well, I think if Sarah loses, she might stay, but Mello's definitely gone if she loses. Okay, let's move on to Wednesday's show. We got two fights on that one too. Uh, this first one's on the main card, and this has potential to um, be a significant fight in the flyweight title picture, and that is Roxanne Mataferi versus Viviani Araujo. Okay. And we're familiar with both of these fighters. Uh, we all know what who Roxy. She's been around for years. She's improved. I'm not, I don't look at her as an elite fighter yet. Okay, she's got to beat somebody a lot better than who she's beaten. All right, um, Viviani, mm-hmm. I think, has potential to be an elite fighter. She's an interesting fighter. She's from Brazil, of course. She was a champion in Pancrase in Japan as a uh, strawweight. So, I mean, she has fought at strawweight, flyweight, and bantamweight, okay? I like her as a strawweight. I think she's a little undersized for a bantam, for a flyweight, but she is a good fighter. Like, I think she's an elite fighter, okay? And plus she has charisma coming out coming out of her pores. <laughs> so that doesn't hurt her. So, um this is an interesting fight because whoever wins this may end up getting a title shot at some point. Yeah, they'd be they'd be very close to it uh, due to the nature of the uh, due to the nature of the uh, division they're in. They, they, I can't say they'd be more than a fighter so off of it. Um, Who you like, Schwan? The biggest, the biggest issue is if I'm going on if I'm going on experience and skill, I have to say Modafari because she. Even though she's not great on the feet, she's at least competent enough now that she knows how to set up her takedowns off of strikes, and she can actually defend and attack on the feet, which makes it easier for her to get the clinches, get the body locks, get the double legs. But the problem with her is the same problem it always is. She doesn't have an equalizer. She's like one of the worst athletes in the history of mixed martial arts and explosiveness and strength and quickness and timing. And, and quite honestly, she's, she's not very durable. She, she really isn't. Not when she's faced people who can really hit. She's not very durable. She relies on you making mistakes or her, her timing and her awkwardness overwhelming you and letting her get into, into key positions. And I think she could do that against Vivian, but Viviani is such a great athlete, and she's fairly aggressive. If she gets off to a hot start and, and hits Roxy with something early, I don't know how Roxy comes back. I mean, I guess she could get a submission, but she's not a kind of fighter who – takes huge beatings and comes back to win fights. I've never seen her win a fight like that. And she's very rarely won fights against better athletes. So once again, she's facing a better athlete who also has some competency on the ground, 
which means there's no safety zone for her. Against Macy Barber, there was a safety zone. Against uh, KGB, there was a safety zone. There were there were areas she could exploit. It's this basically like her fighting Lauren, a better, a more athletic, more technical version of Lauren Murphy. And you saw what Lauren Murphy did to her. So I would like to say Roxy Matafari, but I think I think Viviana might pull what is the upset and and turn herself into a legitimate contender. The only the only chance Roxy has is to take her down and really rough her up like Jessica I did. See, I don't think that it's an upset if Viviani wins. I think she's a better fighter. Well, it's it's true. I I, I would I would say that. I mean, the, the loss to, to Jessica I was concerned to me because Jessica I is a mistake prone, mentally iffy fighter at times. And and but the only the only difference is Jessica I is much more physically strong than Rossi Modafari, and she's a much better athlete. So some of those issues won't be posed against her. But yeah, I would I would say right now she's the better fighter, but she's not the name. She doesn't have the resume Roxy Matafari has. So I would think most people would consider it an upset because Matafari is the more established, proven fighter. Well, I mean, you know, she beat good fighters in Japan as well. I just, the only thing about her is I would rather see her at strawweight. The only thing is, like you said, the flyweight division is much uh, less competitive so, you know, she probably figures she can make it up the ladder a lot quicker. I mean, yeah, it's a, it's a business move more than anything else. But in, in that move, it's it's also risky because, like you say, you get into certain positions and it's a little bit harder to get out than when you're a weight class down. Some of the advantages she has with her athleticism and her strength aren't, even against somebody like Roxy Modafari, aren't as egregious. So she won't have as much of an advantage. So if she gets in a certain position – she might not be able to explode her way out or fight her way out without burning up her energy and then ultimately getting finished. It's really a matter of how she takes control of the fight early on. Yeah. If she lets it be 50-50, Roxy will, Roxy will probably walk her down. If she catches her early, Roxy can't catch up. She doesn't have a, a, a cheat code, a power, explosiveness to, to turn a fight around when she starts losing it. She has to be even with you or she has to be in the lead. She can't come back from fights. I've never seen her come back from a fight. She's been taking a beating in or got dropped in early. She's always lost that fight she doesn't have a way to force an exchange or force a submission or knock somebody out with one shot, no matter how many mistakes you make. So I'm going to be pulling for Roxy. I'm a fan of hers. But when you look at it on paper and you, and you look at the issues she's had historically, this, this would seem like it's going to be another loss for her. Okay. The other uh, fight is also at flyweight. It is Victoria Leonardo versus Manon Florio. Okay. How did I do on that one? Okay. <laughs> Victoria is I Victoria good. is from Louisiana, uh, Shreveport, I think. Uh, she's an invictive veteran. She also uh, made an appearance in the Contender Series uh, in the summer, and she beat the uh, Aussie kickboxer, Chelsea Hackett. Uh, beat her pretty bad, actually. And uh, so she looked pretty good. Uh, Menon Florio is a – Once they hit the ground. Sorry? Once they hit the ground. That's right. Bad. Menon Florio is a uh, newcomer to the UFC. She is 30 years old from Nice, France. Uh, her record is 5-1. and one. She has fought mostly in, like, up until recently, uh, MMA has been banned in France. It's now legal. But uh, most of her fights have been in uh, either EFC in Africa. And she also did a TV show there. And uh, she also... Uh, more recently, she has fought for UAE Warriors in Abu Dhabi, of all places. How about that? And in her last fight, she won a, um, uh, a title fight. So um, 
I watched her, uh, uh, her one of her fights. Uh, her fights are on YouTube, and I watched uh, one of her recent fights. And one thing that's notable about her is she's pretty big for a flyweight. So she's more of a – she's like 5'7", and uh, Victoria is like 5'5". Five, five. So she's going to have a significant size advantage going in. And she also is a good striker, primarily a striker. Uh, and her gym, I believe, is called uh, was it? Boxing Boys or something like that in, in Nice. So um, she seems to have the advantage here because of her size. That's kind of the way I'm looking at it. Yeah, well, the, fa- the fact that um, – oh, God, I can't say her name. Um, Manal Florio. Yeah, Manal Florio, that, that size advantage is a, it's a big thing, even if you're mostly a striking-type fighter, because if you have a competent – if you have a good enough corner and they can train you as far as the danger zones and how to kind of toe that line between using your physicality and using some basic level of technique, you can avoid those spots. And really all you need to do is avoid them well enough to punish your opponent. Her opponent, even against Chelsea Hackett, she didn't get takedowns right away. She didn't get clinches right away. It took her some time to get there. And when she got hit, I don't like how she responded to it. Now, Hackett didn't have any sort of at all in the transitions or in the grappling. But even then, Hackett was comparably sized. And Hackett was kind of bullying her on the feet, even when they clinched up a little bit. So I don't know that she can force a takedown. I don't know that she can just shoot a double and blow through her or hit a single and get her or get a body lock. I don't know that she can do that. I know once she gets on the ground, she should have advantages, but I don't know how easy it's going to be for her to get to the ground. And if she gets to the ground, but gets taken down instead off a counter, because we don't know how good, we don't know how good she is, she is, she might not be able to really effectively attack from the bottom either. A lot of people work in scrambles. What if she's on the bottom? Is she stuck? Is she that good off her back? Is her striking defense that good off her back? We don't know. Could be a good fight. It could be an interesting fight because uh, you know you got a, a striker versus sort of grappler. But I don't know if, it, like you said, I don't know if Victoria's striking is good enough. Yeah, you have a big, strong, physical striker who who has the tools to work in grappling, and you have a grappler who doesn't seem to have any of the tools to force the fight to where she wants it to be. It's almost like an early Roxy Martafari fight. She'd have this huge grappling advantage, but she even against strikers. She couldn't force the fight to the ground because her striking wasn't good enough and her athleticism wasn't good enough. This might be the case with this might be the case all over again. Because if she can't get the fight to the ground, if she can't force it to the ground, what's she gonna do? And I know she can't strike on the feet. She, she's serviceable at best. Okay, so I we both favor uh, Manel Florio in this fight, I guess. All right. Don't, again, don't forget the uh, unusual start times for both of those shows. Now, I wanted to get to a couple of other, a few other things that have come up in the meantime. Uh, last week, I did my podcast with my buddy uh, Charlie Jewett, who lives in Japan. We talked about the Ryzen show, and uh, there were, uh, the first thing I want to mention is all of the matches from that show are on Ryzen's YouTube page. So be sure to go over to their YouTube page and check them out. And there were two. Uh, uh, women's matches on the show, you had uh, um, uh, Ayaka Hamasaki beat uh, Miyu Yamamoto uh, with a first round. Combined, it was like a, a, a Kimura and then a leg scissors. Okay, she finished it in like a minute and a half, which didn't particularly surprise me. And the other fight had uh, Kana Asakura beat I by um, unanimous decision. It was one of those things where I tried to do the keep away strategy and it didn't really work out for her. So uh, Kana will be the next challenger. 
for the uh, uh, Ryzen Atomweight Championship. But one of the things that Charlie and I talked about on the show was the possibility or, or even likelihood that Ryzen is likely to phase out women's MMA altogether uh, sometime in 2021. And the reason for this is it, it's not, it's not making it. Okay, go ahead. There you go. That's sorry. That's what I want to know. I'm like, why is it not financially feasible? It's not that. The reason, look, you have to remember when the, these guys are the guys who own pride. Okay. And there were never women in pride. So I don't think they're fans of women's MMA. So the deal was, is uh, Nobuyuki Sakagabara likes Rena. Okay. Because of Rena's uh, sex appeal and the whole, you know, they're like obsessed with the TV ratings on Fuji TV because if they lose their TV deal, they're out of business. Okay. And so the thing about Rena is she's a ratings magnet. She always has been. But, you know, shoot boxing is not something you're going to see on Fuji TV. And that's not, not to mention kickboxing. So she had to become an MMA fighter. So they wanted her to be an MMA fighter so she could draw the ratings. Now she's planning to retire. Okay? But she wants to have a couple of fights before she retires. So the problem is Ayaka doesn't have the same appeal because she's older. She's 38 years old. There really isn't anybody who can, who can challenge her. We kind of ask Sakura is not going to beat her. Okay. And there, and there's nobody in deep jewels who could beat her either. So that's why we were talking about them possibly phasing it out because they're really concerned about TV ratings. And if they don't feel they have a girl there who can attract eyeballs, they just won't have them. Okay. And that's really, that's really what it comes down to. Yeah. So what do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, I just wonder how this affects, I mean, obviously it won't affect their bottom line because it seems to be that it's not enough interest for them to maintain it, but does this help other organizations? Does this spur growth in Bellator or UFC or, or does this benefit them? Because now there should be, an, if they cut it, there's an influx of talent that they could go out and, and recruit for their division. Well, no, but um, the only thing about it is Ryzen probably has a higher profile than any other company in Japan. And it would be good for them to still have women's fights on the show just for that reason. Okay. I mean, they'll still have women's cool. fights on Pancrase, Deep, Deep Jewels, probably Shudo as well. But they're just not as, they're, they're not on Fuji TV, man. And that makes a big difference, especially in Japan. Not so much outside Japan. Yeah, well, I guess in that case, it, it, I mean, I just didn't know if, it, like I said, my, my biggest concern is whenever somebody cuts a division or adds a division, I'm like, how does this affect the overall landscape? What other opportunities does this open up for a group of fighters? What kind of excitement can I expect from other organizations who might be able to get these fighters under contract or maybe – willing to put these fighters in action on, on, on a case by case. Majority basis. of them aren't. Cause I know, I know Bellator's had a majority of them aren't good enough. Hasn't Bellator had a, sorry. Hasn't Bellator had like a relationship with, with Riz yes, they do. But so, it's interesting I mean, like, to note 
I would have. They've already used well, them. Well, and also the UFC has a, uh, a a rising fighter, which is kind of called Murata. Oh yeah, that's true. That's true. But that's because Ryzen doesn't have any room for strawweights. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Got. Oh, I mean, got a couple other things we want to get onto okay. here. Um, Joanna Rejicek did an interview last week, and in the interview, she says that she's not retiring. But based on the conditions that she gives for fighting again, I think it's still kind of 50-50 because she says, one, she wants to fight in front of fans. Okay, let's forget about that for a second. But the big thing is she says she wants a big salary bump or dollar bump or whatever you want to call it to fight again. So if she doesn't get it or she doesn't get the opponent she's looking for, I still think she might retire. Okay. So what do you think about that? Yeah, well, I mean, that's what I was when – you, when you asked me about her previously, I was I, – that was my concern. Who's going to fight – who can she fight that's going to justify or be equal to the money she can make doing anything else in her country where she's a superstar? What matchup generates that kind of interest? There isn't one. And also, the UFC – UFC doesn't like to be bullied. They don't like to be intimidated. I mean, there's not really a big matchup that's sexy for her, so there's no reason for them to pay her top dollar because there's no fight that they're going to get their investment back on. They just have her around knocking off contenders and taking over the division until someone moves up, and then she's right back being champion again, possibly, because outside of two or three fighters, there's nobody in that division she can't beat. She's already beaten most of them. So there's no return on their investment. What did you do? Just beat up the, the upcoming contenders? Now, in a recent interview, Dana White said that what he wants to do is he wants to do – uh, strawweight champ uh, Zhang Veili's next title defense in Asia. And it's interesting to note that he didn't say China, but that's obviously where he wants to do it. And he didn't mention Joanna at all. He mentioned uh, Rose Downahunas and as a backup, Carla Sparza, which explains why we haven't seen uh, Carla Sparza book for a fight. He's saving her for that possibility. And we've talked about this before. And one of the things I mentioned to you the other night on Twitter is it's possible that Rose and uh, uh, Pat Berry do not want to fight in China, okay? Because there are fighters, and I would want to point out that there's precedent for this. When uh, uh, Zhang Veili won the title from um, Jessica Andrade, the original opponent wasn't supposed to be a title fight. It was supposed to be against... Uh, Michelle Watterson and Michelle's husband, who's also her manager, wouldn't go to China. He refused, just flat refused, refused to go to China. So that might be what we're talking about here. So when we're talking about uh, negotiations over dollars, you know, Barry and Rose may want more money just to fight in China. Okay. But it's also interesting to note that he, well, uh, oh, just a second, but just also remember White didn't even mention Joanna in this interview. Yeah, I, I don't know why he would. She's been, he's gotten all, everything out of her he can. She was the unstoppable force. She had a, she had a, a d- decent fan base, but she lost to Rose. Um, she lost her last fight. And even though she's, always, she's been comparable, she hasn't been nearly as dominant as she was on her initial run. Now that she's on the decline, she wants more money than she was when she was a champion and at her peak on her decline, knowing that she's only around for maybe three more fights at the most, 
the UFC doesn't do favors for fighters. That's not what they do. They do favors for themselves. Well, so this I is why this is why this, reason this, think this is why I still think Joanna might retire anyway. You know, she says she's not retiring, but she might end up retiring. You know, and she doesn't need to fight anymore. Like I said before, she can do, you know, acting and stuff like that in in Poland. She doesn't need to go back on the road anymore or anything like that. So I still think she might retire. Okay, another interview. Tatiana Suarez did an interview last week, and she says she's going to return uh, probably in the summer. Uh, Tatiana has been off for almost two years now with a neck injury, so I don't know what she's done to fix that, except possibly, um, you know, I don't know. I don't recall her ever having surgery for it, so I don't know. And nope. so, you know, there's always a, if she when she does come back. I mean, look, she's an elite fighter. Okay. The only thing is, what's she going to be like after that long of a layoff? That's the only thing. Yeah. I mean, I honestly believe that at the elite, at the elite levels in, in the divisions, there wasn't as big a gap as people w- would lead me to believe between her and everybody else. Um, her injury contributed to that. But even with all the time off, she didn't get it fixed. So I don't know that it's any better. So she might just be thinking, you know what, even at 80%, I'm good enough to win. And maybe that's true, but even at a, even at 80%, now the risk is even better that somebody defends that takedown and punishes her, reverses, gets back up. It's not a, it's not impossible to speak of. I've already seen it happen. And people now have gotten two years better of constantly fighting. I don't know that she's even been constantly training. She might have taken some steps back in her progression as far as transitioning from striking to wrestling and striking her, her striking already. I mean, the de- striking defense is never good at all. So... She's coming in two years out of the business, and they're gonna they're gonna put her in with somebody fairly threatening, and there's a good chance she might lose. Even even if you don't think there is, there's a chance. She hasn't been sharp, she hasn't been active, and I don't know what the status of her neck is right now. All I know is she didn't have surgery to fix it, so we can't we can't assume it's been, been resolved. I don't know. We just have to wait and see on that one. But uh, first, we've heard of her uh, actually saying when she might return. Uh, you know, so uh, I look forward to having her back. Who knows? He might even be better. Anything is possible. I don't. I don't really discount anything, you know, in regards to that. Anything you want to talk about, Schwan? No, sir. You've been talking again about uh, Valentina again. Yeah, I, I, uh, I'm a big fan of hers, but I've just noticed some trends in her fights, and I, I think when you make the physicality equal. She's not the same fighter. She's not. She's never been as devastating against people who are her athletic superior or comparable to her athletically. Well, That's been historic. The only thing fight. I will I will say about that is that I think you have to take into consideration that the long layoff uh, before her her last fight may have affected her more than she was willing to admit before the fight. She admitted it after the fight. So, you know, if she doesn't get injured or anything like that, she may be back to normal for her next fight. Okay, so that's the only thing. I, I would, I would agree with that. But I've just seen in the fight she's looked the most devastating in against Sarah Kaufman, Je- against um, Jessica I, against Caitlin Chukagan, Cachuera. She was a huge physical. She had huge physical tools over them. When she fought Carmouche, Carmouche was scared to engage with her. I'm not denying that, but she wasn't. She she wasn't as aggressive as she was with the other three because Carmouche can physically hold her own in clinches and exchanges, not technically but physically. And I just think when she feels like she can't 
big brother you, she she gets hesitant. She gets a little bit more cautious. She, there's a little bit less volume. She's a little she's looking to get it to the ground a little bit quicker. And against the fighters I mentioned, they have enough physicality. Andrade has the athleticism as well to to put her in spots that she's not used to. To to pose a threat that she's not used to. Well, that's the thing. I don't. I, I, she's not bullying Calderwood. I think. I think. Uh, regardless of what of what, whether uh, of the other fighters, I think Jessica is a more aggressive fighter than anybody you're talking about. And yeah, you're right. And I. I so I, so and I would say that she's a favorite out of the those two. Yeah, I just don't. I just think that it, it, it's different. It's a different fight than the other ones that we're talking about, just because of how she goes about things. Now, her defense can fail her because the only way Jessica fights, there's only one way, go forward, go forward, go forward. And even when she gets hit, she goes forward. So that could, that could kill the fight for her because, you know, Valentina could pick her off while she's trying to do that. It could kill the fight for her. It can kill, but it's like in, it's almost like in boxing, in, or you've trained before. I like to counter people, and that's fine as long as my counters give me a certain amount of space and a certain amount of time. If I counter somebody and they're just and they can take it and they're willing to just throw volume and keep pressing, they'll beat me off of just volume, or they'll just get to me because I, I'm used to having a certain amount of space and time to defensively slip, parry, or pivot. If somebody isn't accepting of that, or I can't scare them off, I don't get that space, which means. I'm going to get hit more than expected. I'm going to get their hands on me more than expected. She's used to hitting people and then backing up. She hits Andrade, Andrade is going to hit her right back. That might be enough to throw her off in the fight. It really might be. I'm not saying it will, but it could be. That's why I want to see the fight. Okay, I'm not really interested. That's true. Unless in case well, I'm not really interested in seeing Jessica Andrade fight Lord Murphy because she'll kill her, and or anybody else for that matter. I want to see uh, Jessica. You want Laura Murphy to fight Valentina? Sorry? You want Shevchenko no, versus Murphy? No, I want Shevchenko versus Andrade. I was just joking with you. You were what? I was just I was just picking on you because I know you're doing Lauren Murphy. <laughs> no. <laughs> All right. Anyway, so that's about it. Um Again, uh, don't forget to check out my blog at frankp316.blogspot.com and also my other podcast, Frank Posen's Big Bad Podcast. If you have any questions or comments for my blog or either of my podcasts, you can leave them in Anchor's voicemail. And if you would like to subscribe to my podcast, you can do so on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. Enjoy the fights. We'll talk to you later.